And we're back. What's up, everybody? This is episode 15. I'll grieve you with this, the podcast, not to be confused with the book, which doesn't exist. It was a little joke. Uh, my name's Micah. I'm the host. You know the deal. I had a really nice conversation with TikTok content creator, online personality, Talia Lickstein. And, uh, you know, we had a nice little dialogue about grief and humor and all the other bullshit that life throws at you. So I hope you guys enjoy listening to it. That's all the further introduction. I'm going to give this episode 15 with Talia Lickstein. So, yeah, Talia Lickstein, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I rehearsed your name so I wouldn't mispronounce it like I did with a previous guest. (laughs) I'm very honored. A lot of people, I I know that it's a hard last name and I've thought many times about maybe changing it, but um, a lot of people just like don't even try. So I appreciate any effort at all. Yeah, of course. Um, Welcome to the podcast. Uh, We've never met before. This is our first interaction. Um, So (laughs) I'm I'm sort of familiar with your comedy background. I know you make a lot of videos that have been catching a lot of heat and uh thanks and whatnot but for the sake of my listeners and also for me can you just give me like sort of a little background about your your history with comedy and then and then we can sort of tiptoe our way into the corridors of grief yeah totally i'm um i am a little hesitant to call what i do comedy just out of respect being a huge comedy fan um i I'm not a stand-up. Like I, I'm so new to doing live stuff. I've only just started now with trying my hand at stand-up. Um, but I got started with TikTok. I started making these videos on TikTok. They caught on and they were all um, I guess people, others would refer to me sometimes as a comedian, which makes my heart feel so warm. Um, because what I do is I just talk and it sort of is like little bits on but just online. But um as I said, being like a comedy fan, I just like, it's not traditional. Therefore I like, don't like to call it that. Um, I appreciate (laughs) you making the distinction (laughs) because there's probably purists that are like, this is not, but, uh, including myself, honestly, like I'm a bit of a purist. Well, it sounds like you're coming in with a little bit of respect for it, but also comedy is such a changing medium. Um, so if anyone's, that's nice that you're sort of gatekeeping yourself in, yes. in a way. I, but, I keep myself in my own little gate, but if um, anybody wants to let me out of the gate in their mind, I always welcome that. But sure. um, I think that, yeah, it's just, I talk and I, I do, I make people laugh. So like, I, I think internet comedian or internet personality is like a totally, I'll accept that and I'll call myself that, sure. but um. I just like won't pretend to be like part of a scene that I'm not yet a part of. I'm that's, just working myself into it. That's fair. But, yeah. You said you're starting to do more live or. You're... Yes. I just kind of recently this year, not this year. It's been a month in this year. The last six months started doing stand up, and it's okay. And that's a whole other podcast for you, but it's like sure. I'm learning and I thought it would be a good thing to sort of have in my repertoire, but I don't know if it's even my preferred medium. I think that I will continue to find my way mostly through writing and filming things so sure. go the bo burnham route skip the yeah, yeah sure. just go straight to carnegie hall yeah um yeah very cool and you're a recent transplant to new york it seems it's been a year it's are been you, a year are you liking it is that I the question everyone asks you oh yeah and i love when people um 
the best question people ask is like, oh, like how long have you or like where in New York were you born? Like I love when people mistake me for having grown up here. I think that's Does like, that happen often. Compliment. Yes. Wow. And it makes me so happy. Just people sure. stopping me on the street and like asking for directions like makes my day. Right. Um, and then you send them in the wrong direction because you're still kind of <laughs> <laughs> orienting yourself. It's mortifying, but I always answer with confidence as though I've lived here my whole life and I just make them feel less just, than and make sure just to lean into it. You're not going to see them again. Exactly. Exactly. Um, cool. Well, welcome. Welcome to the city. Thanks. Um, I think that's enough formalities out of the way. Let's <laughs> you must have some yeah. sort of trauma for me to harvest if you agree sure. to do this. Um, sure. And yeah, you've listened to this before, so you may know that I don't have <laughs> a set formula yet. I sort of, uh, I don't know, try to just let the conversation uh, go wherever it does. But yeah, how about just for the sake of a jump off, can you tell me, I don't know, your first real um, uh, interaction with grief? Mm -hmm. And then I uh, um, for the record, just for a moment, I will say my favorite podcast and the reason I've liked yours is because you jump into it. I'm not a big fan of the whole I don't like pretending that people want to hear like structured, very high concept, like, I don't know, like five minutes on this and like a hard five minutes on the next thing. Just these hard deadlines for talking sure. um, parameters, rather. I, and, I just, and, like, that, and this I podcast is the opposite. We are we're uh, unstructured and low concept. <laughs> That's great. Um, it is, as I said, a great concept, but it's like it doesn't need to be this like. I don't know. I love the idea that it's it's not so structured. It's just let's not pretend that people don't want to hear anything other than like talk about the subject. I think that's great. And uh, right. And it's yeah, not the most comfortable thing to do. But if you just sort of rip the bandaid off right away, you can start just let it bleed. And then the content I mean, flows when you meet up for like lunch with somebody and you are just having a conversation with a friend. Do you start by like giving the context of your entire life first for five minutes and then only then can you start talking about what's really on your mind like i let's talk like normal people sure we know why we're here um, yeah yeah old sad. pals united in grief <laughs> let's do it um yeah i've i've had i was very fortunate until age uh 21 i believe i did not have really any experience with death or grief um i used to actually like say i don't know if i proudly said it but i would just say like i'm i've never experienced a, a massive trauma i had a very happy childhood i can't point to anything that would have um at least taken me in the direction of comedy <laughs> i mean that's that's usually where these people come from right is having had you know an Traditionally, yes, or something yes. like that's that. what a like, lot of our peers are like right i i was very stable and very happy and um nothing really bad had happened to me until um when i was you know between ages 20 and 22 i experienced massive three massive losses and it was just one after the other the third being like the one that i'm sure we'll end up talking about but sure. until then it was like and this i'm sure will be a big theme going forward for us but like until those i had experienced death only in the context of like, like my grandparents, for example, who my dad's side, they passed away when I was like, before I had a bond with them really, which is so sure. sad to say, but like, I was very young and I, I remember loving them. But like, when I heard they died, I, I remember being really sad for my dad. And I was not sad myself because they lived on a different coast. Sure, They were old. It's not like they really, you know, 
I had memories to point to and it didn't change my life. It made me very deeply sad for my dad and his family, but not me. Right. Likewise for me and my mother when she lost hers. I mean, her parents lived to be in like 86, 87. Right. And even though I was like 20 when they died, it wasn't hugely traumatic for me because that's what people do at that age. Right. Um, exactly. I, I think I had an understanding that, and my parents did a great job of of softening the blow for me. They explained like people get old and they pass on and they were peaceful and happy and everything is okay. Like, I don't, I don't remember a time when my, my grandparents on my dad's side struggled in their health. I have more, more memories with my dad's father, but like, even so I just like, it just wasn't, I saw him maybe once a year and then yeah, he it's was not gone. on your radar. It wasn't on my radar. So I, I guess I was lucky. Like I didn't experience a true unexplainable type of death, like a, like a sad, sad, tragic thing that wasn't just a part of life to me until I was 20 or 21. Um, and that the first one was the passing of my friend, Ava, who was 16 and she passed from brain cancer and I was her babysitter for many years. Wow. Sorry to hear that. Thank you. I mean, I, but I saw her frequently and I saw her family frequently. And I also knew that she was sick for a very long time. So in a way that too was like, it was terrible. I grieved, but it wasn't like my daily life. I was also at college at the time. I didn't see her all the time anymore. It's not like my daily life was dramatically shifted. Um, she was not a part of my family in the sense that we would like do family holidays together or whatever. So like it was again a situation where I felt sad and missed her at the times when I would would have seen her and didn't anymore. And it took about a, a year to two years for me to like stop feeling sad about it all the time. But like I was more sad for the the loss of like that her family had suffered because they saw her every day. I was True. sad over the concept of her leaving, but I didn't like actively every day wake up and say like, Oh, it would be so much better if she were here. This has affected my life so much, you know? Sure. Um, and then there was the passing of, you know, there was my, my dear friend's dad, Armando, who I had a nanny for who helped raise me and her children were like my siblings, which I never had. I'm an only child. So her husband was a big part of my life and childhood. And he passed very suddenly. And once again, I would see him at that point in my life once a year. So while I did miss him at that time once a year when I would see him and I felt awful and sad and was mostly grieving the life that my friends had with him. And I felt so awful being like associated, like parallel to that trauma. It still was like almost a feeling of it wasn't my dad, but it was terrible so okay. that those were two major Tell, situations. Right. Well, it sounds like, like it's vamping up to the big finale, which it's was vamping up. the biggest impact. Yes. But, um, uh, <laughs> so tell I, me, the bef- point is, I thought that I was good with death. Like I thought that I had sure. experienced the worst that life had to offer, you know? All right. And then dot, dot, dot. And then dot, dot, dot. Um, my 33-year-old cousin passed. Um, How did she that was, happen? She was pregnant. Um, and had a very healthy pregnancy and carried the baby to full term and everyone was joyful and happy. It just came after such a, a, a period of excitement and, and, and happiness. And, um, and she had a sperm donor too. So she was a single parent um, and she was so ready and prepared to be a mom. And she delivered a beautiful, healthy baby uh, with minor complications. And then 
later that day, later that night, rather, or a full 48 hours later, um, she passed very suddenly in the middle of the night, um, just before she was going to be discharged from the hospital with her new baby um, due to a very rare infection that was transmitted during labor and kills, I think, 10 women in the U.S. maybe per per year. Um, It could not have been prevented. It's it's very or the only way it could have been prevented would be to do something before it happened and there was no way to know it's so so rare, um, but once it's infected the body, the only way to get rid of it is like a hysterectomy, and there are no symptoms that are really easily detectable of that infection because the symptoms of like uh, sepsis starting are the same as like you know post birth you're tired you're fatigued right. you're. So it was completely masked and it just kind of came out of nowhere. And wow. so she, she passed in the middle of the night. Um, so that's, that that's was devastating. the one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 That's, that's really tough. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, Thank you. And the baby's healthy. Baby's great. Baby's Which healthy. She's is, a year and a couple months old now. I'm sure she's surrounded by love, but man, what a tough, what a tough uh, break for all parties involved. I'm really sorry for that. Tell me about your cousin. What was her name? Leah. Leah. Tell me about what, what she was like. Was she a funny person? Totally funny. And um, in the most subtle ways, clever, a little bit snarky, just with the facial expressions and the, the looks that she'd give. She picked up on subtleties that you think nobody else in the room picked up on. And she was kind of sometimes the only one who did or the only one who expressed that they did. So that was a it's a missed quality. And sometimes it's easy to like feel alone when things happen and she's not there to like offer a, a helpful like you, glance. You guys had a pretty tight bond. Sure. And and almost I don't want to say it's um. We were not best, best friends or talking every day, but we were as close as a cousin who was 10 years older than you and you could be, you know, Sure. Um, we had a wonderful relationship and she felt like a big sister for a person who does not have siblings. I have, she's the eldest of three or uh, sorry, the eldest of four. There are three other girls, um, the youngest of whom she kind of helped raise and cause she was in her teens when they came about. And, um, I mean, she was just like she was a mom like from the day she was born she was like a mom she was always she was a big sister um by definition and like when the young the youngest two sisters of hers who were both at least 10 years younger than her um were born she really took on sort of a a second mom role and helped out her mom in raising them and she was like the the ultimate like you know when millennials joke about like the mom friend like that is so her and in right. like the least annoying cliche way um and she even had like mom like hobbies like she was really into sewing and and quilting and she would go to quilting like fabric conventions and she loved travel on specifically Japan and she would like go and find these beautiful fabrics and supplies in Japan and come back and make clothes and pillows and blankets. It's just like, she was just like cool and herself. And, um, she was very independent, but a family person who held tradition very close to her heart. And what sucks is that like, she was, she kind of felt like the glue in terms of family gatherings because the planning and the right and if she's like the mom figure usually that's the person booking the airbnbs and like you know 
yeah, everything I mean, together. Yes. And she has a wonderful mom, my aunt, who also does all that stuff. But like Leah was very much about the sentimental aspect of things. Like we're going to make the same dessert on this holiday every year. And that was Leah's thing. Or like, we're, we have to do this. We have to go to this restaurant on this person's birthday because she always went to the same restaurant on her birthday. It's just tradition. And she was, you know, we don't have the same grandma, but um, her grandma passed. She was very, very close with her grandmother. And my grandmother was her sort of great aunt or cousin. I don't really know how it gets uh, connected, but she, um, my grandmother's not like a very easy person to be around. She's not somebody who like people miss a lot. Like people don't really like die to go see her. Um, and she lives in, you know, a couple hours, not maybe an hour outside of Boston. And Leah like went and visited Boston once to like tour school and like nobody asked her to. And she took an Uber to like go see my grandmother and like oh, have wow. her in their gross little apartment. And it's just like if she just would because family was important to her. Sure. And in a way that like, honestly, in our family, like it's not that important to all of us. Like she was the one who cared. Yeah. Nobody asked her to do that. So, you know, she like she cared deeply about that stuff. And um, in a way that I I don't and I wish that I did, you know. Yeah. Do you feel any sort of obligation to sort of like if she was the glue, is there a little bit of like a ungluing in, among your family or is this kind of getting tangential? Not totally grief related, but no, when you lose no. a person who who is that role, um, well, in my own experience, you know, when someone dies, other people sort of become maybe more maternal or paternal or just like mm -hmm. sort of change their relationship and how they are to people around them. Right. I mean, um, I can't speak for how her direct family, the three other sisters and her parents, their dynamic has really shifted. I don't know. Um, right. On the outside, you know, they're they're doing a great job of upholding traditions and keeping things together and sticking together. But I don't know what their dynamic has, has been. But my relationship to the family, I feel much um, the, the two younger girls who are closest in age to me. They've always felt like siblings to me and friends, but I have, I think, become a little bit more protective sure. and into mentorship for them. I was a little older and I've always been bossy and like the big sis type person by nature with younger girls because I just feel like I'm missing that in my own life. So sure. I, like, have all, I, I'm sure they would say I haven't really changed at all, but I sometimes I feel like there are times when I would otherwise hold back on like giving my younger cousin Jenna like a lecture about college or boys or whatever and just kind of drone on and on when I know I've made my point. And the part of me that misses Leah feels like I have to kind of stick it to her again just to make sure that she gets the point. Like sure. <laughs> tell her, give her the lesson, make sure that she's taking care of herself, even though she of course is. Um, but she'll tell me when I'm talking too much and acting too much like a mom. But I guess I just want her to, feel like she has older guidance and role models that are not her parents. Well, it sounds like you are yeah. uh, playing the role that Leah played for you, huh? Or maybe stepping into that. I certainly hope so. Leah and I are so different in terms of how we go about like being the role model type. I was, I, I have a very distinct memory of Leah, like yelling at me for letting Jenna take a sip of my alcohol once at a party like she's very much like she was the rules person and was like it's not I was like quirky cousin and like wanted to be older but like fun in a way that was like I'll help you get a fake ID type cousin sure <laughs> that person and like that was cool not Leah's style yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and Leah was cool but that was not her style 
Um, she was stricter, but I do think that in a way she feels that like, maybe like, I hope that I've like done her justice and like being, making myself available at all times. And I've certainly gotten closer to the family as a whole ever since her departure. Well, it sounds like you're being a little more conscious in like uh, what you're trying to, I don't know, be in, in regards to other people. Um, Uh, as shitty as it is to revisit, do you recall where you were when you got the news about Leah? Cause it, and yeah, do you mind revisiting no, not that? At all. Not at all. Um, the, it was the morning of November 24th, um, of 2021. And this was a couple of days before I was supposed to move to New York for my new job. And I just graduated college. So this was a very exciting and hectic time. And I woke up and I remember that Jenna, her younger sister, the cousin who's closest in age to me, called me because the baby had been born 48 hours earlier. So she called me um, and I was assuming that she was calling to see if I'd be at Thanksgiving or whatever. I got a text saying, like, can you call? I have really bad news. And she'd called a couple of times. And when I called her, I remember that she was muted by accident and I just didn't hear anything. And I thought I was being pranked. So I just, I thought she was going to tell me the terrible news was that she wouldn't be at Thanksgiving or something. And I was laughing on the phone and was like, come on and pick up, like calling her a bitch. <laughs> I was like, where the fuck are you? And I thought that it was a prank. And then finally her voice came back and she was sobbing. And I thought that I was like, oh my God, I thought that the baby had, something had happened to the baby. And she goes, Leah passed away. I remember her specifically saying passed away, not died because I, I don't know, like my cousin Jenna has such a sensitivity and such a a tact for tragic situations that I think I I don't. So she used those words, which I thought was interesting looking back on it. And, you know, I, I hung up the phone and I went downstairs and I woke up my mom and I remember my mom asked me, first thing she asked me was, am I dreaming? Like she thought she was still asleep. And I was like, no. And I was very, my first instinct was to go to them. Um, But my mom and I are both the same type of person where we're like, if God forbid something happened to me, for example, my mom would never want people rushing over to the house. She is a solo coping person. And so am I. I don't want people rushing towards me. I don't know how I'd feel at that moment. And hopefully I never do. But like, you know what I mean? Like, so her first instinct was not to go there. And we, I remember like kind of fighting with her and saying, we have to go. And she was like, no, no, no. We have to let them ask for us to come. Let it breathe. Yes. So that was the day. And then the next morning I felt like that was like when my mom and I decided it would be fine. And I, I still carry a little bit of guilt with me for not going sooner, but I just, people interpret things differently. And I did not interpret it as an invitation to come over, but you know, Jenna did. So that's something that I feel guilty about, but um, yeah, that was the day. And I think thought that, that that's, was like I'm sorry, you, you go ahead. Well, I feel like a lot of people have internalized grief around, uh, uh, guilt and things that they could have done. And I wonder if it's only exists in their head. Do you feel like Jenna w- would have appreciated if you had come sooner or something? Like I know some people who have lost people and they specifically told me don't come. I have so much I need to deal with that mm-hmm. you will, your presence will be appreciated, but it won't help. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I'm um, just one. I'm just wondering if uh, if some of that guilt maybe exists. Uh, maybe it's a, a bit more um, exaggerated in your own mind. It probably is because she has not expressed to me. She's made sure she would never guilt trip me about such a thing. But you know, I think that we both talked about like I. My first thing I did when I saw them was like, I'm sorry, I didn't come sooner. And they never made me feel bad about it. But I just, I just felt like immediately it, it was like the wrong choice after experiencing. Of course, it's like it's the death of a daughter and a sister and whatever. And a, and a new mother, it was a, the most tragic thing that could ever happen. And I it was almost so big that I had not wrapped my head around it. I don't think and, it's possible to. Yeah, it, it's it, not within a, that time parameter. It takes right. a, so, a long time. How could I know in 24 hours like what the what the scene would be like at their home and what what I was walking into and what people's thoughts and feelings were like, I had not processed it. And at that point I had not seen her body or anything. Like I just didn't, I did not think that it had happened. And so when I went over there, I was like struck by the grief and was like, Oh, I should have been here much earlier. And so that's something I tried to express, but she never guilted me, but yeah, it probably is more in my head than it is in hers or theirs. But, um, you know, I, I try not to feel too bad about it, but yeah, yeah it's the thing that kind of bugs me. Oh, sorry. Somebody started calling me. You're good. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, um, I feel like a lot of people have <laughs> weird, uh, neuroses and, and, uh, like sort of guilt that they hold on to myself included. And I'm like, if I can, my friends are dead. We were always good friends. They're not, you know, beyond the grave lamenting that <laughs> I didn't do this or that. Right. Uh, I assume maybe they're in hell looking up at me and just being like, Bleh. right. I have, um, I have so much. Well, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but yeah, I, I have that thought a lot of like, what is she thinking of how I'm coping and what would she think about me doing this podcast? Whatever. I would like to think that she is not, she, she, she loved me very unconditionally. And she was a source of, of one of the few sources in my life. I attribute like her the the feeling of love from her did feel very unconditional as opposed to like some of the people in my life who it doesn't um so i like to think that like however i choose to cope whether it be to go to therapy whether it be to like talk to a stranger on zoom whether it be how i'm talking to jenna and like how i've you know how i've talked to my cousin since like i always wonder like would she be proud or upset and i i find that just like knowing her i don't think that she would she would care what I did as long as it helps me. Yeah. Um, so that's my hope. Not to speak on behalf of someone I've never met, but I think she'd probably <laughs> be happy to see that you're striving and also that you're able to talk about it. Cause yeah, it's one of those things that a lot of people just sort of bury until they die. And then right. it's kind of, uh, you know, that's one way to uh, deal with the thing, but right. I feel like uh, I like to unpack it. And grief is another thing where it sort of kind of kick comes in waves. It really, there's delayed aftershocks, at least for me. Right. Um, A question I usually ask, do you remember the first time that you laughed after Leah passed on? I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember laughing like really early, like, like hours later. Sure. I think I'm like a person who really... I never thought that I had like dark humor and I still don't, I don't make jokes around her passing and like how she passed or anything like that. But I do like look for a joyous, funny thing to mention. I was really into telling funny stories about her rather than like really sweet ones that sort of induced more tears. 
I really, I had a couple funny stories that involved like my humiliation and her being present for it and, and coping with it, helping me cope with it. Like things like that. I liked sharing about that. And I remember the night that we went over there, maybe it was a couple nights after we spent probably a week straight over there at their house. Um, there was one night where we were all sitting around the table and chit chatting and, you know, my aunt and uncle were obviously like, I just like overcome and not really speaking, but just quietly listening. And I just felt like maybe this would be a good time to have a light conversation about something completely different. I remember telling them some story about a guy that I dated and like a crazy thing that I did and got a couple of people in the room laughing to this day. I don't know. Maybe it was like a pity laugh. Maybe it was an uncomfortable laugh. Maybe it was really helping. I just felt that it was like, how much longer can we sit here and discuss what's going the legal um proceedings of the adoption of the the baby and and other things like that that are not fun to talk about i just like i don't want to talk about the baby's health insurance or we didn't know how leah passed for like a month after so i didn't want to sit and like keep theorizing about what had happened and i just mm-hmm. so my my mom and i both I think brought some humor. And again, that's another thing that I don't know if that helped or not, but I like to think that maybe it did it. It certainly helped me. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how (laughs) the things that people do just to sort of distract themselves. Um, The morning my father died, uh, like an hour later, me and my, the rest of my siblings and my mom went for a hike (laughs) in the woods and we even bumped into some other hikers and we're like, Hey, we don't, we're not usually all together. Let's take a fucking family photo. No so way. We straight up have a family portrait of all of us two hours after my dad died. And Were I'm you smiling? Like, you know, I don't really re- revisit that picture. And uh, some of my siblings were wearing sunglasses. I think I was smiling, but my God, there was pain behind my eyes. And I'm like, right. And you know, what's funny. I hadn't even thought of that until like right now. And I'm like, what the fuck were we thinking? Right. Uh, and then I borrowed my friend's skateboard and I went to the skate park and like was like, I'm going to relearn some tricks because <laughs> I was like, oh, well, this is this certainly helps me not think about reality, you know? Right. Um, right. But what a bizarre reaction. Um, and then, of course, I did drink quite a lot because uh, that was <laughs> yeah. the coping uh, mechanism at the time. Uh huh. Not like now. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is strange just the ways that you're. Uh, whether it be talking about a funny story or just doing something physical, it's, I wonder what the psychology behind our bodies just being like, Hey, I got to get something else going on in my, I really, I would love to know. I, that, that night also, I, I, we went like my cousin and I and her friend went for like a drive to Pinkberry or something. And I think we were giggling a lot in the car. I have pictures actually yeah, from that sure. night. I took pictures of us laughing in the car and I think I was just looking for like, I had this weird thing where I did kind of want to document for myself, at least for my own. I don't know why, but I wanted to document the days following her passing and all the time that we spent at their house together. I took a couple photos just of the baby and of us all hanging out together, even if they were terribly sad photos. I have photos of us after the funeral, just sitting and holding the baby. And it's like, none of us are smiling. Nobody's happy, but I think I just like, I needed to be able to look back and like, remember Yeah, it felt like I, I, the sooner I forgot about that trauma, the sooner I would forget about her and like 
I just like kind of, it was a bizarre situation that I could not comprehend that we were celebrating the arrival of this beautiful baby who we were all thrilled was there and we had waited nine months for and whatever. And like, so it was a joyous week while simultaneously being a terrible, the worst week. And it was like, we, I felt like I have to document so that, you know, the baby can see that we were happy that she was here, but also really sad this week. And I, I don't know. I was, I was obsessed with taking photos. I took so many photos of the kid and just like, yeah, yeah, I think that's really fucking important because, uh, uh, memory is so subject to change, especially when it's immediately before and after such a fucking horrible event that, um, it is nice to sort of have some sort of receipts or like not even receipts, just being like, Oh, this is what we were doing. Oh yeah. We laughed. I don't even know what we were laughing about that type of thing. Right. Um, and in your particular instance, I can't even imagine the juxtaposition of welcoming new life while such an unexpected loss at the same time. I'm getting yeah. numb just sort of trying to put myself in your feet. So it uh, is numbing. It really, so it numbing. really fucking is. It's a little too much to handle. And I'm not even I can't I can say it's numbing. I can't even imagine. Uh, I, I hate the I can't believe I just said that because I hate the phrase I can't imagine. I think it's like literally the definition of I cannot empathize. <laughs> I can't imagine um, what her closer family members, what her sisters and parents went through and are still going through, which is 20 times more severe than whatever I go through, which seems as severe as can be. So I don't know what they do and how they cope. But the the confusion is like overwhelming. Like there is. Yeah. There was no reason. There was no rhyme or reason. Yeah, it felt so like a sick joke, and it still does. And I, I do feel often that she will return, which is a a problem. But it's just like how. And the worst part is, and the best part is, we have this baby now who we love, who's a perfect baby, and we want her to feel how much we love her and how happy we are that she's there. And we want her to know this was not all bad because we have you and there's no other way we would have preferred it. As long as we have you, like there's no world in which we would have wanted something else to have happened and us to not have had you. So it's like hard to grieve while also remembering, like you need to show the baby the joy that you really do feel that she's here, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, I'm glad it sounds like the baby's coming into a very loving environment, despite totally. the circumstances. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I don't, I understand what you say when you don't like, I can't imagine, but uh, it does make me think, and I wrote this down the other day, there are some things that I have accepted that I do not believe. <laughs> like, right. you know what I mean? I fully accepted that my friends are dead. I can't fucking believe it. You know what I mean? When I'm like, right. damn, I know that I'm never going to talk to them again, but my brain is like, I can't. And that literally is the personification of, I can't imagine. Like I can't picture this person not waking up yesterday or right. a year ago. Um, but yeah, it's any, all of the language surrounding, uh, you know, extending condolences or trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes does sort of, it's like, it does cheap because I feel shitty. Anytime someone dies, I don't know how to say anything other than I'm really sorry for your loss. And I know it's not enough, but (laughs) you know, I think that's the nature of grief is it's so unimaginable that the language around it can't really do justice to how devastating it can be. 
Right. I, I, there were so many little phrases and things that I realized were common, um, after this happened. And this was the first time, as I said before, when I was explaining those other two that made me think that I was acquainted with death, but I wasn't, um, at that point I was not their immediate family, those two other people who passed. So the, let's say the funerals that I attended for both of them, I was not, um, a person that people came up to and said, I'm so sorry. I was there to grieve and support the family that I was not a part of, right? Even though it was my loss, I missed both of them. I was not the person that everyone came and said, I'm so sorry for your loss. Whereas when I, when my cousin passed, I was part of the family. I was part of the the funeral procession and whatever. I made a speech at the funeral. People knew to come to me and say, I'm so sorry for your loss. You are blood related. I'm so sorry, you know? And only then did I realize there were all these phrases and things that I never want to hear again. And Mm. there's nothing that I can say because most of the people telling them to me are fortunate enough to not have been acquainted with tragedy the way that I have. So they don't know how much it bugs me and I can't explain it to them because it's just unfair. They're only trying their best, but they will one day know how annoying it is to hear sending love. (laughs) I'm sending love. I just like, what does that mean? Like, I don't, there's all these meaningless things that we think hold meaning. I, I can't imagine. I'm glad that that helps you. It's all that proves that it's all different for other people. When people would tell me, I can't imagine, I'd be like, really? Okay. So sit and try and imagine you're like, imagine your cousin died. Yeah. Now you can imagine like, I, it's just like, I hated that phrase and I hated, um, even I used to always, when somebody passed and I still instinctively do when someone says, Oh yeah, I lost a parent, whatever I say, Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. But really what I try to put myself in their shoes and think when people, when I say, Oh yes, well, I'm coping with my cousin's death earlier this year. People, I wish people, some, some people say, I'm so sorry. How, and what happened? And what did she mean to you? How close were you? What was that like? And that I prefer. And I feel that I can spot people who've like had a serious death in their lives by what they ask. And I really do. That's why I like going on a podcast like this. I, I, it helps me. It brings me a lot of comfort to work through out loud. Here's what happened. Here is what feels like it's missing. Here was what she was like. And this is what our relationship was. And here is my life now. Like I like to do do the whole shebang. Yeah. It's important to me to talk about and sometimes mm-hmm. i wonder it's like am i i don't want to fucking pigeonhole myself as the guy with the dead dad or the sad <laughs> dude but the other part of yeah. me is like this is what this is fucking hugely helpful for to me i you know i'm starting to write jokes about it and as you mentioned like you know you do recognize other people who have been through shit so immediately after my dad died i only wrote jokes about it and i was just doing shows and uh you know i got off stage and the bartender was like hey welcome to the dead dad club and gave me a big hub mm. hug and i was like cool I didn't realize this existed. And now it's like, oh, cool. There's all, there's an army of us, you know, there's right. Um, so that's cool. Especially um, in the comedy world. I would imagine. I feel oh like that's God. kind of a common thing. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. God, I was at a mic the other night and uh, some woman jokingly and accurately described most Bushwick white dudes as either being gay or having a dead dad. And I went <laughs> up immediately after. And my first joke was like, Oh, I was recently spreading my father's ashes on someone else's private property. Like, <laughs> uh, and I was like, man, I hope I'm not a cliche by having a, a father that was mortal, you know? <laughs> right. Right. But it's also another thing where it's like, Hey, you know, 
if you have if you haven't experienced it, you will give it time, right. and you will. That's not, you'll. It touches all of us. It's just uh, a matter of time. A matter you know, of time. Who that's gets right. there sooner or later? That's right. I'm kind of first of the party. Uh, <laughs> that must feel good, <laughs> right? In a way. Um, Do you feel that people um like clout chase over death? That's something uh, I <laughs> clouds chase. Interesting. Maybe. Um, I feel like, I feel I, that, like when somebody you, dies, a lot of people like really are interested in. Like, oh, all right. Yes. Life. Yes. I know exactly yeah. what you mean because I, and here's another thing. I experienced a similar thing to you as I've lost people that were important to me, but weren't extremely close. Um, mm -hmm. And I will say, comedian Raghav Mehta as an example. He was a friend mm -hmm. of mine. We both started comedy in Minneapolis. We briefly lived together, but it would be an exaggeration to say that we were like confidants, but you know, mm -hmm. we talked um, when he died, there were people posting on Facebook just, and I'm like, motherfucker, you met this guy like two weeks ago. Right. So even posted like rest in peace, Raghav never got to meet you, but I heard you were funny. And I'm like, well, part of me is like, that's cool that, even people that don't know him are sort of extending his right. legacy. But at the same time, I'm like, what? I've, I heard people like mispronouncing his name when they're right. like, tributing him. <laughs> like, and I'm like, uh, that's bizarre. I know I'd be pissed if people I didn't even like or wasn't close with were sure uh, digging up the the littlest, tiniest interactions with me to exploit. Like, I, I know that it's human and I would hope that my friends do. This is a thought that comforts me whenever I think about like, maybe I'm coping wrong or in a way that she doesn't want me to or whatever. I just, I, if I were to pass on, I would hope that my friends would do literally whatever they wanted to cope with it. Like talk about it to whoever don't make a fucking TV show about it. I don't care. Like whatever helps you as long as right. it's not like Dateline and I'm if I'm murdered, keep me off of those true crime podcasts. Oh, no. please. Only my friends are allowed to profit off of my passing and, and benefit from my passing for clout whatever sure. um but i would hope that yeah my friends and my family and the people who know they were close to me and that i loved of do whatever you need to do but like people that i talked to twice like i can i just i don't know it would not make me happy and i would i think that people are sort of it's like tragedy porn people are like desperate to be close to whatever happened and i found that like when my cousin passed on people were i hesitated to even post online but i had this thing where I wanted people to know about her and it really felt good to like tell somebody it was just shouting into the void and it felt good to share anecdotes that maybe her family and friends would read that um, her daughter would someday read and know that I grieved and that I remembered her mom and that I had this to say about her. I want her to see that on a permanent forum, sure. but I felt weird because I was like, what if people start DMing me, which they did people just people who met her once. Oh, I knew her. Like I met her briefly, blah, blah, blah. And like sharing a photo. And right. it's just like, I, I feel like you just want to be people use it. Other family members who didn't really know what happened, who weren't so close called and said, what happened? Trying to theorize about what happened like medically. And it's like, sure. You just, I feel like you just want to talk about it because it's like tragedy porn. Like it's crazy to think about. It really you is. Want yeah. to be close to it. And it's, it's, like, it's, a, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I don't want to name any names, but I know some people in my life whose entire uh, gossip currency is, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Right. Oh, and their daughter got hit by a car. And then you're right. like, 
but I don't know who the fuck these people are. How is this your conversation? Material? Why is it yours? I remember a very sobering moment was like exactly six months after after her passing. So I moved to New York. I pushed back my moving and my job by like two weeks. And I moved to New York um, right after, which I still don't know was if it was good or bad for me. Because I think if it was, if I had stayed in LA, I would have like literally continued to spend every single day at their house playing with the baby and feeling close to them. And I moved here and kind of isolated myself and coped on my own for the rest of it while they were all together, which kind of felt weird. But so I don't know what that did, but I I had a very difficult emotional transition to New York just because of what had happened. It felt like not only was I moving to a new city and transitioning to like adulthood after college, but I was transitioning to an entirely new worldview because this death like warped my idea of like, what, what are we even doing here? Like it was so um, maddening and like made me think like, what is the point almost? So yeah. I, I was like reckoning with all of that. So this is, it was a tumultuous couple of months and towards the end of that worst period of it, there was this guy who I think worked with, um, was like, like tangentially somehow through his career knew who my uncle was. And I said, Oh, you work at this company. Do you know who blah, blah, blah is It's my uncle. And I said, it's my uncle, you know? And this guy goes, Oh my God, did you hear about his daughter? That is crazy. And I just, Oh my God, did you hear about your cousin? I'm like, yeah, I heard about his daughter. I just told you he's my uncle. And this guy was an idiot. And he's just like, that's insane. We've all been wondering like what happened? Like, Oh my God, it's all anybody could talk about for weeks. And I'm like, yeah. And then he finally was like, how did you know her? And I'm like, yeah, we're yeah. related. He's my yeah. uncle. Therefore, Only that is since my cousin. Birth have I known this person? I've known her since I was <laughs> very young, and she, he was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." And it was one of those stupid, like, "Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss," like shit. And it was just sort of, "Are you sorry for my loss? Are you sorry for like making her death a gossip thing?" Like, really? I, I, the fact that you said it to my face after I told you that I was related to her. It tells me a lot about what you talk about when you're with people who are not related to her. Sure. It's <laughs> and... just speculative fucking grief voyeurism is most yeah. of what it is. Uh, very bizarre. It is. And, and I will not make myself immune. Like I participate in that from across the world sometimes. And I forget because I don't know these people that they are real and their families are really grieving. The, these Idaho murders, for example, I meet up with my friends and we'd sit and be like, did you hear about the Idaho thing and these right. college students and what happened? And it's, we're all going to watch that documentary when it comes out in five years. Of course years. we are. You know we are. But those would, are real it's people. Human. Yeah. It's human. But if somebody, and of course, a, a quadruple homicide is not like what happened to my cousin or any of my friends that I mentioned, but like if they, if anybody were to like make something about that, that was like fodder for gossip and discussion, like a book club, I would be livid. Sure. But I will participate in it when it's not somebody that I love. So, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, when Kobe Bryant and his daughter fucking died, all those uh, EMTs took photos and like shared it. Oh, that is like, what is going on? Like, oh my God. Even want a document. How would that not already be burned into your memory of seeing? Oh, I would hope that I was not. It's just so strange to be like, this is so crazy. I need somebody. Right. I would pray to God that nobody called my my ambulance to come and do that and help with that. Like, I would not want to see that. Yeah. I don't know how people do. Um, right. 
Yeah, it's disgusting. Uh, fucking grief, man. Who needs it? Actually, I, <laughs> actually, now that I think about it, it's probably a really vital part of life that I don't really understand. But That's right. Well, what else can I squeeze out of you? <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm I'm here. Um, Whatever you want. Well, rest in I peace, I didn't Leah. screw up by not wearing headphones. Uh, that's only for your own purposes. It wouldn't affect okay. the recording. Okay, good. Uh, what if you hadn't heard anything I said this entire time and you're just, and I just went off reading? Um, that sounds like me. I can, I can just talk forever. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think, uh, I think that was good. I think that was a nice conversation. Yeah. I give approval to this thing that I just did. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, did. if, if anybody's out there dealing with something, I don't know. My advice would be try and stop thinking about like what's the right way and who you're going to please. Sure. By the way that you're talking about it, there's no right way. And um, nobody from beyond the grave is, I still reckon with this, nobody from beyond the grave is disappointed in you. Um, nobody's oh, harboring resentment or, or wishing that they spent more time with you or whatever once they're gone. I, I like to think that all my cousin and my friends care about is that I am happy and at peace. And I don't think that she would give a flying fuck where or what I talked about. Um, but I still reckon with like, am I talking about her enough? Am I talking to my cousins enough? Sure. So try not to do what I do. It's <laughs> my no. advice. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds like you're a very empathetic person. And, uh, that's good advice. I could probably use, uh, could heed that as well. Uh, yeah. I would say let go of guilt if you if you are able to. Not you, just people in general. Yeah. Um, and you also let go of that. For sure. Um, cool. Where can people find you? Oh, you can just find me on Instagram, and I'll post about this Talia scene. That's me. It does feel pretty disingenuous to be like, all right, now yeah. where can people... <laughs> Tell me about the worst moment of your life and also plug your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. Well, I appreciate your time. I think that's all I got for you. Unless sure. you have any I mean, any, any final traumas to volunteer. I Luckily, that's it for now. But all come right. back to me in 10 years. I'm sure it'll get worse. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, part two. Um, part cool. Two. Well, thanks so much for your time, Talia. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah. for this great podcast idea. Thank you. I, I appreciate you for listening. All right. Be well. Take care. Peace out. So that was episode 15. I want to thank Talia Lickstein for sharing her story with me. I want to thank everybody who's listening and everybody who's been listening. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, feel free to tell your friends, family, clergy, parole officers, anyone in your life about it, really. Follow us on Instagram at I'll Grieve You With This Podcast. And that's about it. Stay tuned. Got some more episodes coming out pretty soon I'm excited about. Don't be too hard on yourself. Goodbye. <laughs>